Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, you probably can tell that I'm not Andy. Uh, I'm Zach. I'm the college ministry director here. Uh, and I am filling in for him today. Well, I guess not really. I was originally planning to do this message. I did this message last week in Whitewater. Um, and we thought it would be a really cool idea if I came here as well, because the vast majority of what I'm going to be talking about today is my story, my testimony. Uh, and we will be getting into a little bit of takeaways, because this is still part of our Grow series. So there's two ways that I think we can grow out of my story. Uh, but I just wanted to let you guys know who I am and what I'm all about now that I'm on staff here. And uh, I'm hopefully going to be around for the long haul. And so I just wanted you guys to get to know me a little bit better. I have been dying to come here on a Sunday morning, and I'm not just saying that. I feel like sometimes I hear people say that, and I don't believe a word they say. I promise you, I've really been wanting to come here. But then we all know what happened in March. <laughs> so then that knocked me out of being able to come for a long time. And then uh, I've been on worship quite a bit in Whitewater, so I've not been able to make the trip. But now this is like... I get to come and hang out, and I also get to serve the Lord, which is pretty amazing. Uh, but along with my story, I want us just to look at a story in Mark. Uh, if you guys have ever heard the story of demon-possessed man, we're going to be reading bits and pieces of that throughout our time here. So let's start out with doing that, and we're going to start with Mark 5. And it's Mark 5, 1 through 5 is where we're going to start, and it says, They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes, when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. So I think the second half of this is a little crazy. Right? This dude was in pretty incredible shape. Being able to pull chains apart with his hands, pull irons from his feet, that is something that I can't really relate to. Uh, but I think the first half of this, I can really relate to. It says in the beginning, it says that he was a man with an impure spirit living in the tombs. Uh, and I think three years ago today, or three years ago from today, you could say that I was this man with the impure spirit. Uh, so actually, like pretty much three years ago to the dot from today, I moved into my freshman dorm at Whitewater, at UW-Whitewater. Um, I did not know the Lord at all. I had come from an atheist background where neither of my parents knew the Lord, uh, claimed that he does not exist at all. And so that's what my upbringing. And so coming into college, it also didn't really make a lot of sense for me to be going to Whitewater for a couple of reasons. One, I was broke, but I think that's most people that go into college. Uh, two, I had no idea what I wanted to do for a career. I was like, well, I can, I can talk pretty well. I've been able to manipulate my parents a lot to do whatever I wanted, so maybe I should go into sales, right? So that was my thought process, maybe not the most healthy one. <laughs> and then the last thing is I didn't have any friends that went to Whitewater. Uh, I think a lot of times we see high school students where they get a group of friends and they go to the same spot together, or maybe this is the one that I don't recommend, but you also see they see their significant other go to university, so they go along with them. That one I don't recommend, but that you see it. I had neither of those happening. I grew up in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin, and we had a graduating class in my high school of 560. And I knew two people that went to Whitewater, and neither of them were my friends. So it was like 
crazy that that, many, that little amount of people went, but also that I didn't really know anybody. So it didn't make any sense for me to go. Ultimately, it made a ton of sense because the Lord's plan is way better than mine could ever be, and I ended up being here. But um, so I get into the university, and I was thrown for a loop, right? So there was three things that I had placed my, val- like, placed my worth in, and we'll knock all three of them out right now. So one was grades. I had always been a good student in high school. That is actually a lie. I got good grades, but I wasn't a good student. I never did my homework. I never did any papers or projects. But I, if they were, especially if they were like a group project, I was that guy everyone hated. I didn't do anything in the group project. But I'm really good at taking exams. I don't know why. I'm the one that everyone hates, everyone's going to throw stones at, because I don't study, but I'll still ace the exam. Uh, and it took a while for me to admit that, because it sounds kind of like cocky, I guess. But we'll, you'll, I'm about to humble myself, don't worry. <laughs> and so also in high school, our grades were 90% exams, 10% papers, homework projects. Catered to me perfectly. Another thing, we had no due dates. <laughs> so all of our homework, if, it, if we got our homework on, like let's say I got assigned homework assignment tomorrow, there was no due date on it. I could turn it in any time before this. As long as, the due date was the end of the semester. So you could turn it in any time from the beginning to the end. So what that meant was the last week of the semester, I was a busy guy because I didn't do anything the whole rest of the semester. That did not set me up very well for college. Because <laughs> college, you get a lot of homework. You do a lot of papers and projects. You do get a lot of exams, but it's a lot more evenly balanced. And there's no like redos. There's no, there are due dates in college. <laughs> and so my, my great grades that I got high school did not transfer to college at all. Uh, let me tell you. And so then that was the first piece of like my value system, what I gave myself worth in. So that was gone. So a third of my identity, let's say, was gone. Okay. The second thing over here would be music. I loved to sing. I had a lot of my closest friends were all in choir with me. I was in an a cappella group in high school. Not like one of those cool ones like Pitch Perfect, but like gospel choiry, which is also really cool, I think. But a lot of people think it's less cool. Uh, but I thought it was great. And so I loved to sing. But it was mostly like the social interaction. I had a lot of friends doing it with me. And so I really enjoyed that. I did enjoy singing, but I didn't enjoy the music as much. And so when I came to college, I was like, I'm not going to do choir because it's not going to be the same. So that was another piece of who I thought I was that was gone. So two-thirds of me gone. The last thing I would say is sports. I am a sports addict. I, I'm right after I'm done here, I'm going and I'm playing basketball with some friends. That's the, like the first thing I'm going to do after today. Uh, if you ever hear me talk, I'm probably going to be talking about sports in some way, shape, or form. Um, and it's not that I'm like a, a great athlete, but I just really enjoy watching and having conversations about it. And it also dictated my style, uh, which really hurt me as far as finding a girlfriend in high school because I was wearing sweatpants and sweatshirts all the time. Would not recommend if you're single looking for somebody, don't do that. That has never worked for me, at least. Maybe it'll work for you, but did not work for me. Uh, and that also was where a lot of my friendships came from, especially playing baseball growing up. Uh, and so those were like the three pieces. And then in college, Sports were gone, because I didn't play any intramurals, because I didn't have any friends right away. So I didn't play any sports. So all three pieces that I normally found like pleasure in, found my self-worth in, were all gone. And I was like, well, shoot. What in the world am I going to do now? And so then that led me to being a little bit more social than I usually am. 
I'm, I usually like to keep to myself. Uh, I don't like to take the label as introvert, but I am pretty introverted. Uh, and I don't really like to go out and like, talk to new people. Uh, and that really forced me to do that because I recognized that it was really unhealthy to be alone. Well, you guys have probably heard us talk about it a lot, how important community is, how much we stressed it during the, I mean, we're kind of still in COVID season, but the crazy, crazy COVID season. Uh, and I was feeling that even as a non-Christian, not having any friends was really weighing me down. And so found a great group of people, started going to this, this thing called Crew. It's a, a student ministry on campus. Uh, but I, I wouldn't say I was a Jesus follower yet. I didn't really accept him into my life. I didn't even really acknowledge that he was real. And so this whole first semester of school, I was struggling with trying to figure out who I was. And I, but I did recognize that I was living my life with me in charge was going very poorly, right? If you had, again, this like business background that I have, I suppose, if you have like a sales projection sheet and you see like a little red arrow that kind of like goes like, it's like really topsy-turny, but it eventually goes up, mine would be just like, like straight down with me running it, right? And so I recognized that my life was going terribly, and so that I made the decision. Uh, it's actually really cool that I made it later in life, because now I know exactly the day, December 4th of 2017, was the day I was like, okay, with my projection sheet, I'm going way down. I don't know what my projection sheet's going to look like if I surrender to Jesus, because people keep telling me to do that. People keep telling me Jesus is going to make my life better. I don't know if I believe that, but my life really can't get any worse. Like my, my, I, can't, I, have a no, I have nothing to lose. So if I surrender to Jesus and I still want my life to end, well, nothing lost. But if I surrender to Jesus and I love living my life every day, well, that's a massive gain, right? It was a really logical decision that I made, I guess. Not really a heart decision yet. And I, so I made the decision, and since then, December 4, 2017, I've wanted to be alive every day since then, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> so glory be to Jesus for that. But so then we pick it up in this Mark story. The very next section, 6 through 8, we talk about this, this turning point for the demon-possessed man. They never give this demon-possessed man a name, um, but we get to this turning point for him as well. And it says, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Right? So I would say that I had an impure spirit cast out of me. I had a spirit of myself. I had a spirit of uh, isolation. That was all cast out when Jesus came in. Um, and one thing I want to highlight here, which I thought was really weird, was this guy's reaction to coming up to Jesus. He's shouting at him. He's like, don't torture me. What do you want with me? Like, he's freaking out. And when I read this, now knowing Jesus, I'm like, does this guy not know who Jesus is? Like, I've never had felt like Jesus was going to torture me. Like, I've always have such, like, warm, kind feelings towards Jesus. You know, like, I'm literally driving here this morning, and I'm, like, tearing up listening to worship music. And, like, this morning, the worship was, whew, I was like, like, we had the first song, and I was jumping up and down dancing. And then the second song brought me back to my roots. And then the last song, I was like ready to cry. And so that is exactly how I feel about Jesus. When I'm like dancing, but I'm also emotional. <laughs> but this guy is like angry. He's upset, and he's very vocally angry. And then, but then when I was thinking about it, and I was praying about it, what does this mean? I take myself back to before I knew Jesus, and I remember 
that life kind of felt like I was being tortured. Because when you have your faith in all these other areas and they all crumble in front of you, you're like, man, like, what is, what is life? Like, what is this? Like, what's, why am I here? You feel like you're being tortured because everything is just falling apart in front of you. And so I can see where he's, where he's coming from. And I can relate to him. So much, in fact, that I felt like when I was second semester freshman year, everything was falling apart. Like I said, not, not only the stuff that I've already said, but everything else. My car was falling apart. Uh, my high school friends, I was losing a relationship with them. Uh, the only thing I had left was a high school sweetheart girlfriend that I was holding on to, right? Uh, and it was, looking at it now, not healthy, not good. But at the time, I thought it was everything. It was so cool. And I remember, this was probably in April, so I had already confessed that Jesus is real. But this was like the first time that I really prayed to Jesus. It was months later. Uh, he, he took me up on that promise, right? So I committed my life to him. And then in April, he's like, okay, let's see. Let's see now. Like, pray to me and let's see if you can handle it. And so I said, Jesus, everything's going terribly, but don't take this girlfriend away, with me, or away from me. If you keep this girlfriend in my life, then I will follow you. And two days later, she broke up with me. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, okay. Well, I guess this isn't going to work out with Jesus. But then a couple, a couple of days later, I realized how ridiculous that was. Thankfully, I realized that that was ridiculous. Um, and, that, and then now I'm seeing the fruits of that <laughs> because I, I realize now if I would have stayed in that relationship, I would have never given relationships to the Lord. I would have just been like, you know what? I got this here. I got this figured out. Jesus, you can take the broken pieces, but I'm going to hang on to the stuff that's good, right? Or let's say, this is like a wild dream. You got to dream with me here. Let's say when I was a freshman in college, I would have had a lot of money, right? Obviously not the case. Let's pretend that was the case. Let's say I wasn't in financial ruin. I would have never given my finances to the Lord if I could thought that I could handle it because I'm prideful. I'm a prideful guy. Right? So if I think I can handle it, I'm going to take care of it. That's how I am. I'm like, you kind of hear that saying like, oh, what is it? Uh, I can't think of the saying right now in front of you with all you guys staring at me. But it's like, I'm just going to do it myself. Like the best person to do this project is me, I guess. I can't think of the catchy saying that everyone knows. But so that's what I was like at home, right? If, if I needed something to get done, I was not going to ask anybody to help me. I was just going to do it myself because I knew it was going to get done right. Uh, and so that's what I was like. And so Jesus needed to break all this stuff in my life. He needed to take sports away. He needed to take relationships away. He needed me to feel isolated. He needed to take away choir. Because if I would have had any of those little areas in my life that I thought I was succeeding in, I would have held on to that for dear life. And I would have run that myself. And ultimately, I would have run it into the ground. And so I am so thankful that I had no other option other than Jesus. I had to give it all to him because I was like, everything is broken. You just have to fix all of it. And fun fact, uh, spoiler alert, he did fix it all. Uh, he did fix all that stuff, which is amazing. <laughs> Not all like that, though, let me tell you. But eventually. Um, and so that was, I just wanted to share that little piece of my testimony. Um, this the whole section of my life of me giving my life to the Lord, because I want to relate this to the Mark story. But this is when the grow part comes in, right? What two takeaways can we take from my story of just basically being uh, like basically like an idiot. I don't know if I'm allowed to say idiot up here, but since I'm talking about myself, I'll say it. I was like an idiot for the first 19 years of my life, not knowing that Jesus was alive and saying that he wasn't alive. 
and then why I made that decision, and then what my life is like now, right? Because obviously, since I'm up here, I must have done, I must have committed my life to the Lord in some way, because I can't do this on my own, let me tell you. Um, and so, the first thing that I think, the first question that I want us to answer is what can we do to grow in our dependence on God, right? Because I'm telling you right now, the reason that I'm up here is because of him. It's not because of me. I'm not that good of a speaker. I would not be able to trick Kevin and Andy into giving me this opportunity. They are too smart for me. (laughs) Trust me. No matter what happens, they would not have let me up here unless they felt like the Lord, unless I was letting the Lord speak through me. Um, And so from my story, what I do is I just remember I remember that surrender. If, I, if we can remember why we did this in the first place, then we can continue to walk that out. Um, this is kind of a, a little bit of an odd analogy, but so I played football in high school. Again, sports, I'm going to keep talking about it. I'm sorry, but I love sports. And they would always, so I was always a stick growing up. I'm still kind of a stick, but I was like 105 pounds freshman year of high school, super small. And I would work out. And my coaches, they motivate through like almost like discouragement. <laughs> they would be like, remember when you were small. Do you want to get small again? Do you want to be that little twig again? And so I don't really remember it that way because that's a little negative. But I do remember if I start to feel like now that the Lord has been so kind and I'm debt free and I have a, uh, a, an income, like the Lord is so kind. I don't know how, I mean, you guys are probably used to that, but I'm not used to that. I like to buy things now that I have money. Before, it wasn't hard for me not to buy things because it was like, okay, well, I don't have any money. Now that I have money, it's hard for me not to go out and like, oh, a new pair of shoes or a new shirt or a new TV. Uh, it's just, I have been struggling with that lately. But then I remember I need to give this to the Lord because when I run my finances, it's going to run me into the ground. And if we think about if I buy new shoes, a new shirt, and a new TV every month, I'm going to run my finances into the ground. <laughs> and so if you can remember that surrender, it's going to help us with our dependence. Paul says something really cool in Galatians. In Galatians 2.20, he says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And I think when I read this, somebody showed me this way too early in my faith. I heard that and I was like, I died to myself? That is terrifying. That is disturbing almost. Um, but that is exactly what I'm talking about with this surrender, with my finances, with giving it all to the Lord, with getting down on my knees and surrendering it. I no longer live for me because Jesus lives in me and he calls all the shots, Right? Uh, I heard this amazing, so I didn't say this the first time I gave the message last week. This lady came up to me, gave me this analogy. I'm going to steal it. I don't even remember her name, and I feel so bad because I was going to give her credit, but I don't remember her name, so that's unfortunate. But she gave me this story, right? So in our lives, we are driving a car, right? And let's say it's me. So I'm driving my car, and I just crash and crash and crash because I don't know where I'm going or what I'm doing, right? Eventually, so this would be when I first gave my life to the Lord, I let Jesus come into my car. He's a hitchhiker. He comes into my car. He's riding passenger seat, right? And he's somewhat telling me where to go, right? And I'm, and I'm conversing with him a little bit, but I'm still driving. And I'm still crashing and crashing, but he never gets upset with me. He never loses, loses his patience with me. He's in no rush. Uh, and he's just in the passenger seat, and I'm just crashing and crashing. And eventually I get exhausted, right? I get to my, like, everything in my car is broken. My tires are flat. 
my headlights are out, uh, my engine is seizing, and he's like, all right, well, we'll get the car fixed up, but I want to drive, right? And so we get the car fixed up, and he's driving now, and I'm in the passenger seat, right? And I'm still, I still have a little bit of a say of where we're going, but he's the one driving it, right? But there's every once in a while where he's going somewhere, and I don't want to go, so I just grab the wheel and I just yank it, right? And it just goes right into the wall, right? And I think that's, that's where we are, that's our journey as believers is we start out and we're crashing and then the whole story and then finally we get to a point where he's driving. I think that's a really cool story. She shared that with me right after. I was like, I'm going to say that next time because that's a way better way of putting it than I would have. So you guys are spirit of what I said last week because it was a lot less clear than that. <laughs> but, and so I was like, okay, so how do we do this practically though? Because I've heard my entire faith walk, you know, you need to surrender more. You need to depend on God more. You know, if you only depended on him a little bit more, you always hear the saying, God will never give you more than you can handle. But then all of a sudden I have more than I can handle. And what do I do now? Right? And so I talked to Pastor Kevin about this. And if you guys know anything about Pastor Kevin, it's that he reads a lot of books. Kristen, can you confirm? Yes. Yes, he reads a lot of books. And so I I'm like, okay, the perfect guy to ask this question to is Kevin. So I was like, how do we stop living our lives and live by faith in Jesus, like Paul says? And instantly, right away, he's like, oh, I know this book perfectly. I'm going to read you this section of this book. It's on page 119. I'm like, one, you're crazy, but tell me about this. So it's this book, Soul Keeping, by John Orberg. And I don't have it on the slides, um, honestly, because I didn't want to type out pages of it. So I'm just going to read it to you. But if you get, whatever helps you focus, if it helps if you close your eyes or bow your head, whatever it is, I just want to read this over you. Whoa. And uh, I think it's so, such a cool perspective. And so this is what he says. He says, now it's our turn. How do we, ordinary people living in our world of technology and economic challenges, huge moral debates, and rapidly changing beliefs, I think that sounds like the world we live in today, how do you and I find a way, to, to a Jesus way to live? Right? And here's his answer. He says, while there are no magic formulas for being with God, lately I have been conducting a little self-test that I call the soul experiment. It's a simple way of focusing my soul on God throughout the day. I begin each day by challenging myself. And here's his challenge. How many moments of my life today can I fill with the conscious awareness of and surrender to God's presence? Then I try to deliberately imagine myself doing that at home, at work, in my car, when I'm online, when I'm watching the news, when I'm with others. Can I do the with God life all of the time? I have been trying to make this my goal of the day as opposed to a list of things that I have to get done. I think that that is so cool <laughs> to be intentional with your time, to just be conscious of that God is with you and he's like just being aware of him. Uh, and, I, and he read this to me, and then I read it over and over again because I'm like a, a visual learner, and I repeat it back to myself to memorize this. And the last two lines kept tripping me up, right? So I love to-do lists. I have a whiteboard in my bedroom that I've had in my bedroom since I was a sophomore in high school, and every day up until two weeks ago, I wrote a to-do list of what I needed to get done every single day. And it would be even the most basic stuff, eat breakfast, uh, like brush your teeth, <laughs> all that stuff. I love because I love the satisfaction of checking that box. Or sometimes I would just erase it off the list. It felt so good. 
What I really like doing is at the office, I don't have a whiteboard, but I do have post-it notes. So I'll write down post-it notes like, uh, do a, make a whiteboard in Kevin's office. Help Andy with this thing. And then what I do then is when I finish it, I crumple up the post-it note and I shoot it like a basketball into the trash can. That I find way more satisfying than the whiteboard. But then this challenged me because the last two lines of this, of this passage says, can I do the with God life all of the time? I have been trying to make this my goal of the day as opposed to a list of things that I have to get done. And I was like, man, so are lists bad? Am I doing this wrong? And through praying about this and thinking about this, I came to a realization of, let's say I have my day, I'm living my day out, and I have my to-do list, and I'm checking my to-dos, and let's say, similar to this morning, I'm driving to work or I'm driving to the grocery store, and I have an encounter with the Lord. I experience Jesus so powerfully that it makes me want to like cry, or I'm like yelling in my car because um, I just love to, I love to cheer during worship, like yell and shout and, and dance and jump. You guys may have saw me jumping. And I do that in my car sometimes. I don't jump, but I like, I'm like going up and down. I'm getting into it. Um, and I'll do that like for 40 minutes. I'll have this amazing encounter with Jesus. But then I don't check all my to-do lists in the afternoon. And so then when I go to bed at night and I look at that whiteboard and it's only half checked, I say, what a waste of a day. Like I did not accomplish what I wanted to do today. Like, this is such a bad day. But then, with, after hearing this, now I value my days based on how my relationship with Jesus was that day. So now, if I don't check all my checks on my, all the boxes, sometimes I still make the list so I remember if I need to do something. But if I don't check all the boxes, I just remember, okay, but for 40 minutes today, I had uninterrupted time with Jesus. And that is worth way more than anything. That, that is worth way more than me sweeping my room that was worth way more than me taking my clothes out of the laundry because I'm the, I'm the type of guy, my, I mean, bless my mom because she had to deal with me for 19 years. Of, I leave my clothes in the dryer for days and I'll do the little touch up to make, it, so to make sure they're not wrinkled anymore and then I forget about them and they sit there for days. But now I don't value my life based on that anymore. I do, have I spent enough time with Jesus today? And so I realize that it's not about what we do anymore. It's about who we do life with. And that could be for your spouse, right? It's not, it doesn't matter what we're doing as long as we're doing it together, right? Or my friends or my siblings. I don't have a spouse, but my friends or my siblings. Like, it doesn't matter what I'm doing with my friends. If we're having a good time, it was a good day, right? It doesn't matter what we're doing. And so I think if I start to have that perspective with Jesus, it changes everything. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. It's about who I'm doing it with, right? So what so what does this look like practically to, to rely on God a little bit more? It's this soul experiment. It's being intentional with small amounts of time that we have. That's the first thing that we, that first step we can take to being more dependent on God. The second one is just to use prayer. Pray more, right? I think, I think it was Paul who says, like, be anxious for nothing, pray about everything, right? And I, I took that to heart because I was really anxious when I was in college, and I needed to pray and pray and pray. A perfect example of this is I mentioned my grades were bad. I'm just about to tell you how bad. I know that we're streaming online, and I really want my parents to see this because they don't know the Lord. But mom and dad, if you're listening, plug your ears. Don't listen to this. Okay, so here are my grades from freshman year. I had all Fs, a D minus, and a C minus. Okay, you can open back up. Yikes. 
Like, that even makes me cringe, even though I know that the Lord doesn't care about that anymore, but it still makes me cringe. Um, and that was before I knew the Lord, right? I, so since I had such terrible grades, I retook all those classes sophomore year because I don't want, you have to retake those for credits. And the class that I did get credit with for a C minus, I was like, I don't know if I want that on my transcript. So I retake all these classes. And I remember the very first day of class, I'm sitting in there and I'm overwhelmed because I'm like, all I know in school is failure. All I know sitting in this classroom is that I'm not going to succeed. I'm going to feel anxious. I'm not going to get things done on time. And then I felt like the Lord was speaking to me in that moment. He was like, well, then don't do it on your own. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And so then I, I, every day for that, or not, well, every time I went to class for that whole semester, I would come to class, I'd be listening to worship music, I'd sit down in class, and I would pray the first thing. I'd be like, Lord, I cannot do this. I need your help. Let me retain the information. Let me focus, right? So that was the first thing. And then as I'm walking out of class, I would be praising him in prayer, and I'd be like, Lord, thank you that you helped me focus. Thank you that I showed up to class on time and that I was actually present in the classroom. Like, thank you. And that's it. And that's all I would do. And I retook all those classes, and I got all A's, one B, and a C plus, and I wanted to leave that C plus out of there, but I wanted to be honest with you guys and not lie to you guys. I did get a C plus, but I think that that's still better than the year before. <laughs> and so I was walking this out without even knowing, and, but I was only doing it in class. I wasn't doing it with everything, right? I mean, a lot of my other areas in life will show you that, um, but I was walking that out, and I can see that now. That's a little, a little thing that I've seen I'm like, okay, when I do pray to the Lord and depend on him in this, he comes through. Like, he provides in that area that he's called me to. Um, and so I saw this scripture um, that, again, uh, oh, this one was Pastor Andy showed me this. He said that this tied in a lot. A lot of this is them telling me what to do. They know a lot more than I do. I'm just here to tell you about my story. And he showed me this passage in Luke where Jesus says this. He says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. So I was going to just assume something, but I don't want to assume anything because assumption is bad. So I'm going to ask you guys a question. I would ask that you guys raise your hand if this is true of you. Who here wants to be a disciple of Jesus? Okay, good, 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 good. The vast majority of us, that's good. That's what I was hoping for because the whole rest of my message was banked that you guys would say yes, so we're good. Otherwise, we would have had to end. Um, and so that's great. So I agree with you. I want to be a disciple of Jesus. So what does Jesus say is required of us to be his disciples, right? And so he says, whoever wants to be my disciple, so whoever wants to do it, this is what you got to do. You have to deny yourself, okay? So deny you being in charge anymore and take up your cross. How often do we have to take up our cross? Daily. And then follow him. And then whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. Right? It sounds pretty easy when you read it that way. Thankfully, somebody else walked me through this. So we just have to deny ourselves daily and use this soul experiment, use our prayer life to reconnect to Jesus, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and that's what taking up our cross daily is. It's having the cross on the inside. It's having Jesus on the inside that we're walking out and we're walking as disciples because we're seeing how Jesus lived in his word and through prayer and we're walking that out ourselves. And so that's the first thing that I think we can take away 
from my story is remembering that surrender, surrender, remembering that surrender so that we can be more dependent on God. The second thing that I would love to invite you guys to do alongside me is to tell other people your story, right? I mean, I think there were so many times when I first got saved, uh, I, I just keep giving you guys stories. I didn't tell this many stories last week, but I'm just feeling stories today. Uh, when I first got saved, I felt like all the sins that I was struggling with, it was just me. I was the only one struggling with it. There was nobody else out there who was struggling with the things that I was struggling with. And that is a lie that the enemy is trying to whisper into you to make you feel alone and not ask for help. And I remember that there was this guy who was discipling me. His name was Paul. He is like a rock star. Like everyone knows that he's like the most spiritual dude. He is an incredible leader. Like he's in college and he's engaged. We're like, wow, this guy has his life figured out. Like this dude is awesome. And he has money too. We're like, man, I want to be like this guy. That's why I asked him to disciple me because I was like, you are doing life the way I want to be doing it. Tell me everything. And so then in a moment, I'm, I'm not going to tell you what he told me, but he shared something that I was also struggling with. And I didn't even ask him to share that. He just shared it with me. And I was like, oh my gosh, you are not perfect. <laughs> and so I just heard this thing a couple of weeks ago in, in a message that I was watching. And this guy says, if there's someone around you that's perfect, something's wrong, right? Because none of us are perfect. Right? So if there's somebody out there who's perfect, then something must be wrong. Or Jesus came back. It's one of the two. And so telling other people our story invites others into our lives, but it also shows them that they're not alone. Because sometimes asking for help is really hard. Right? I don't even want to ask for help financially. I don't want to ask people for money, for like gas money or money for groceries. I don't want to do that when I, if I were to need it. I don't want to ask people for help in like other areas of my life. I don't like that. And I don't even, so asking for help in something that's really like serious or something that's kind of on the DL, like maybe like something like pornography, that's something that we like to keep in the dark. We do not like to bring it out into the light because it's really embarrassing. The second I drop that word, the atmosphere changes in the room because it's like this big no-no. But like the statistic in Christianity is 60% of young men struggle with it, right? But nobody wants to talk about it because it's scary to talk about. But if we tell our stories and we say, man, I struggle with this, but I have overcome from the power of Jesus Christ, that gives people hope. That gives people encouragement. And I want to invite you guys to share in that. And I want to finish off this story in Mark. Uh, we're going to go to Mark 18, Mark 5, 18. And you're going to notice I skipped a couple lines. So I'm going to fill you in on what I skipped. Uh, basically, what happened is he cast the spirit into a bunch of, Jesus cast this demonic spirit into a bunch of pigs. The pigs jump off of a cliff and they all die. And all these townspeople see that and they're freaked out. They're like, okay, this, this dude who was crazy is now normal. And all these pigs just jumped off of a cliff. We're spooked. <laughs> so, Jesus, get out of here. Like, we're freaked out. Leave, right? So, Jesus is about to leave. And we're going to pick it up here. And it says, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus did not let him. Jesus said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. And then very next line after this story, so this story ends, and then Mark 5, verse 21 says, and he goes to the next town, Jesus goes to the next town, and the people there are waiting expectantly and excited. 
That's what it says. There's all the people that are waiting there. They're gathered at the shore waiting for this boat to show up. And I wonder if that was just through the grapevine, right? I don't know if you guys have ever seen Finding Nemo, but there's a scene in Finding Nemo where one fish tells another fish who tells another fish, and it, and it travels all around the ocean. I, I wonder if that's what happened here. If this demon-possessed man was telling everyone from his hometown, Jesus is amazing. Jesus saved my life. He got me out of this impure spirit. I'm no longer living in this tomb anymore. Like, I have my life, and I am set free. I have freedom because of Jesus. And then they told somebody, and they told somebody, and they told five people, and then they told one person, and that person told ten people. And I wonder if it reached that next town before Jesus even got there, so that when he got there, everyone had already heard of the amazing things that Jesus can do. And that is why I'm here, right? This demon-possessed man, Jesus could have brought him with in the boat, right? He could have brought him all around. He'd been like, this guy had a demon inside of him, and I casted it out. And people would have been like cheering and hooting and hollering, but they never would have known that demon-possessed man before he, was, before he knew Jesus, right? There are people who are my friends in college who know what I was like before I knew Jesus. My family knows what I was like before I knew Jesus. And let me tell you, them telling other people about me is more powerful than anything that I can say. Because when my mom, my mom goes up to people and says, my son loves me now. I, don't, I didn't know if my son loved me before, but he loves me now. My son, there's something different about him. He doesn't swear anymore. He treats everyone that he knows with respect, and he trusts people. I've never seen that before. When she tells other people that, that is powerful. When I tell people, they're like, oh, that's nice. Like, that's so good for you. Like, okay, Jesus is like a coping me- mechanism or something. But when people who know me, one, one they see me, and they see this crazy transformation, and that encourages them. But then when they tell other people, they're like, wow, that's crazy. <laughs> and so that's why I'm here, because so many people ask me, man, Zach, why do you, this is what other people say, I would never say this about Whitewater or Jefferson, I would never say that as boring, or a small town, I would never say that. <laughs> but other people tell me all the time, why would you stay in boring old Whitewater, right? It's a, everyone calls it a suitcase college, right? People come with their clothes, they hang out Monday through Thursday, and then they go home for the weekend, or they go somewhere more fun, right? So why do you stay? And it's because of this, this demon-possessed man, because I had that impure spirit, and people knew me, but now I need to tell people, holy cow, can Jesus, Jesus do some amazing things in your life? And I just wonder how powerful it would be if we went around and told people, whether it's um, people our own age, people who are younger than us, people who are older than us, people that are different from us, man, I don't know what you're struggling with, but let me just tell you about what Jesus has done for me. I don't know if we should tell everybody the intimate details of our life, but we could tell people in our church, people that we trust, open up to people, because that is just going to make us more encouraged by each other's faith, right? It's going to make us more vulnerable with each other, and we're just going to grow as a community and get closer and closer together. And so we just need to tell people about the amazing things Jesus can do. And so I'm going to invite the worship team back up. I'm going to close us out by, close out the message time by reading a psalm to you guys, and then we're going to get into one last worship song. I'm going to read Psalm 107. I think it is quite fitting. I think it's really cool. And so I do have it on the screen. If you guys like to, if you're like a reader, you like to read and learn it that way, you can do that. If you want to just close your eyes and soak it in, I think that is really cool too because this is really good stuff. And so Psalm 107 goes like this. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. 
Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe, those he gathered from the lands, from east and west, from north and south. Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Some people sat in darkness, in utter darkness, prisoners suffering in iron chains because they rebelled against God's commands and despised the plans of the Most High. So he subjected them to bitter labor. They stumbled and there was no one to help. But then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness, that utter darkness, and broke away their chains. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he breaks down gates of bronze and cuts through bars of iron. I just think that that is so great. (laughs) That is our God. We are going to get in trouble. We're going to stumble. We're going to fall. But the second that we cry out for help, he saves us from our distress. He comes to us when we're in darkness, right? Just because he's light doesn't mean that he's scared of the dark or he's not going to meet us in darkness. He's going to come. He's going to shine his light bright into that area. And so now we're going to get into the song, Build My Life. It's not by accident that we're going to be doing that song next. Uh, I picked that song because I thought it tied in. And the reason why we're doing this song is I want us just to declare right now that we're going to build our life on his love. We're going to build our life on who Jesus is. We're going to do that daily, right? Uh, I mean, it just, I mean, the bridge is like, I will build my life upon your love for it is a firm foundation. So let's just recenter ourselves. Let's refocus ourselves and let's build our foundation on Jesus's love daily. And so I'm going to pray and then we're going to get into this song. Jesus, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this worship team. Thank you for this. Lord, I thank you for these keys. They're so beautiful. Lord, I thank you for music. I thank you that we get to every day surrender to you, that we don't have to be in charge of our lives, that the outcome of what happens in our days is not based on us anymore, but it's just how much time can we spend with you and usually those results come out really well because when you're, when you're the man in charge, when you're large and in charge, things go right. Things go the way that they're supposed to go because you've created these things. You have set the dominoes in place in order, in order for them to fall correctly. And so Jesus, we just, right now in this room, this morning, we refocus our life to you. We recenter our life on you. And we commit right here, Lord, that we are going to try this solo experiment. We're going to be more intentional with our time during the day and be more aware of your presence and set our life on you. Lord, I thank you for my story. I thank you for everyone's stories in this room, Lord, that they're all unique and special. Jesus, that you came and you saved each and every one of us. You left the 99 to come after each one of us. And we thank you for that. We thank you for your faithfulness that we talked about earlier this morning in worship. We love you so, so much, and we are here to worship you now. In your name, Jesus, all God's people said.